Welcome to the Weekly Standard Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham. With us on the Weekly Standard is Steve Hayes. And Steve, can we agree that the guy who had the worst week in Washington was Jonathan Gruber? Yeah, it has to be Jonathan Gruber. I mean, this has been a disastrous week for him. There are more videos that have been coming out over the past couple of days. There's another one, I guess, just now where he uh, says that critics of his are, are, and critics of Obamacare are like adolescents. Just one after another after another. The guy's clearly been, whatever else he is, the guy's clearly been reviewed as, as sort of an arrogant jerk. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and he's been a problem for the Obama administration. But wh- why is it a problem? I mean, he is, is he seeing, saying anything that people who are paying attention didn't already knew? I mean, uh, we talked in a previous podcast about who's dumber, the uh, dummies of America who he says are so stupid, or the people dumb enough to believe what the team Obama said was going to happen with Obamacare in the first place. They got everything wrong. And people like you, Steve, and me and others were saying from the beginning, of course it's going to cost more than it than they takes in. Of course it's going to add to the deficit. Of course it's going to cancel people's health insurance. Of course it's going to uh, force some policies to shut down. Of course it's going to drive up uh, a drive quality down and wait times up. All this stuff has turned out to be true. Who's the dummy? Right. I, I agree with you on all of that. Um, I think that, that Gruber ends up really doing damage to the Obama administration for primarily one per, per one reason. Republicans were somewhat divided on exactly how hard they should push on Obamacare repeal and, and replace. And there was some discussion in Republican leadership in both houses that it would be unwise to push hard on the repeal votes, on the replace votes, on chipping away at Obamacare, um, because that was, you know, wasn't an issue that they thought Republican voters were as focused on, uh, what have you. I think that debate has now been resolved in favor of those who wanted to push hard on Obamacare. And it's been resolved, uh, largely because of these Gruber videos and the reaction to that, despite the fact that the, the mainstream media has largely taken a path. They've sort of been shamed into covering it over the past you know day or two but it's it they're writing third day stories without ever having written the first and second day stories so it's a little bit incoherent no no doubt about if the quote journalists of nbc abc cbs had any shame they would be using it today but they just don't have any and that's a a separate issue i think though that the other thing that happens because of jonathan gruber that actually matters besides reminding people that the people in washington think we're all a bunch of idiots is if uh I'm thinking about what the Supreme Court's going to be doing later this year, and they have to address the question of whether or not the uh, state uh, uh, exchanges were the only ones authorized to get subsidies. And I'm a Republican. I want to put Jonathan Gruber on the, the record on Capitol Hill as honest, often as possible because he's already said, yes, specifically, this was a tool to beat people into submission with Obamacare was to say you have to start a state exchange, otherwise your money's going to go, as he put it in another video, up to the people in Massachusetts who, who got subsidies from the federal government. Right. I think that's right. And, of course, in theory, the, the court's decision would have nothing to do with politics and atmospherics as it relates to Obamacare. But having been through what we were, what we were through with the, the initial decision uh, from the court on Obamacare, obviously politics and atmospherics plays a role. And to the extent that Jonathan Gruber has been sort of outed or people have been reminded that he was a primary architect of the law, something that both Obamacare supporters and critics have long agreed on, that Gruber played a central role in putting together the law. The fact that you've got him out saying basically we tried to 
keep these subsidies from states that didn't establish exchanges in order to incentivize those states to establish exchanges, I think it, it makes very clear what the, uh, what the mechanism was that the drafters of the law wanted to use to compel participation. And that's tremendously damaging when you look at the plain text of the law, which says that states that don't establish those exchanges will not get that money, will not get the, the subsidies. And it's an indication of just how awful uh, Jonathan Gruber's week was, that he had a worse week than President Obama, who also had a bad week. And Steve, you're in D.C., you're inside the bubble out here in planet Earth. It really does look borderline crazy that the president s- seems to be saying and acting like he won this midterm election, that his agenda was affirmed. And I don't even know what to say to that. Yeah, I mean, look, I- I'm always a little reluctant to throw around words like delusional. Um, but I think in, in this case, there- it- there's almost no other way to describe the way that he's responded. I mean, on the one hand, I had this conversation with Charles Krauthammer in the, in the green room at Fox uh, the other day, you know, after the president's press conference, post-election press conference. On, on the one hand, it, it was so shocking that he would claim to speak for the two-thirds of Americans who didn't vote, as you and I discussed last week, and, and shocking that he, he would, you know, not actually pay any heed to what the electorate, I think, rather plainly said. On the other hand, we're so accustomed to seeing this from the president that you can't be surprised by it. I mean, so at the same time, it's both shocking and it's not shocking. And we've seen that carry out into this week with the discussion of, of uh, you know, the executive amnesty on immigration with his conduct uh, overseas in China and his dealings with Russia and China. I mean, this is a president who plainly believes that he has chosen the right course and he will not be diverted from that course no matter what the voters actually say. But there's a difference between saying, I think I'm doing the right thing regardless of what the voters say. And let's face it, that's sometimes politicians, sometimes leaders are right, that the people they're leading don't have the same vision that they do, and eventually he leads. But it's another thing to say, the people I'm leading love me. They're with me 100%. I almost fell over when I heard a White House spokesman say that President Obama's decision to move ahead uh, with executive order immigration was supported by the midterm election. Right. In Oregon, the most blue state in the uh, in this past election cycle, they actually added numbers in the legislature for Democrats. That didn't happen almost anywhere else. They had a, um, a ballot question. Do we give driver's licenses to illegal immigrants? It failed two to one in Oregon, which means it would have failed nine to one, you know, in Arkansas or Alabama. And they took that election as an affirmation of amnesty? Look, I mean, you, you, I think you're right, and it's exactly what I, what I mean when I you know, say I reluctantly use the word delusional or, or semi-delusional reaction to the elections. You look at, you look at what Joe Biden and other uh, White House spokesmen have said about the country agreeing with the president's policies. The president did this to, to a certain extent in that press conference where he, he said, in effect, look at the minimum wage laws that passed, the, the people agree with me. Um, you know, but if you look at if you look at the exit polls, in many cases they did not agree with the the direction the president was taking the country. Overwhelmingly, didn't agree with the direction the president was taking the country. You look at the most recent Gallup poll out this week about who um, voters or who those polled want to sort of set the agenda in Washington. Republicans won that over Democrats. If you look at the Gallup poll that was taken two weeks before the election, 
where the pollsters went issue by issue on the voters on the issues that mattered most to voters, eight of the nine issues voters sided with Republicans on those issues. So it is absolutely crazy for the president and his folks at this point to be saying the voters agree with with me. I mean, I'm doing, you know, I, I'm sort of following through on, on the will of the American people. The American people have basically said in as loud a voice as they possibly can, we are not with you. Don't do this anymore. And he's choosing to ignore them. But is he choosing or is this a strategy? And the it's, it's not a very good analogy, but it's the only one I can think of, Stephen, is you're in a negotiation on a contract and the two sides are locked and one side knows they're losing and they're going to lose the you know the 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 stuff they most wanted, so the negotiator just gets up and starts taking off his clothes, and it was going, what? <laughs> and he's go because he uh, what he knows is if things proceed the way they normally would in a democratic process where bills are proposed, bills are voted on, bills are sent to he's just going to lose that. He's lost the debate, so he's just basically I'm going to do executive amnesty and I'm going to do a carbon deal with China, sort of. And I'm in other words, I'm just going to throw things out that tip over the board because I know I'm going to lose the game if it's played. I think that's giving him too much credit. Oh, okay. Honestly. I mean, if you, if you look at his reaction to the 2010 elections, I mean, that's the closest thing we have to an analog here. And in that case, he had more incentives to compromise because he was up for re-election in two years. But you look at his reaction there. You know, after the 1994 elections, Bill Clinton gave a State of the Union uh, in 1996, leading into his re-election year, in which he declared the era of big government is over. Well, Barack Obama gave a State of the Union in 2011, just a couple months after uh, the 2010 uh, Republican, you know, historical gains by Republicans in that midterm election. And the president gave a State of the Union, which he basically said, the, the, the era of big government is here to stay, and I'm the one who will guarantee it. I think he's so ideological, he's determined to do everything he can to fundamentally change the country, which is what he said is his objective when he came into office. And I agree with that. I think he is going to keep pressing in his direction, which is why he's not that interested in the the traditional democratic processes. And I'm not saying dictator. I think there's a lot of over over the top talk, but rather he just he knows he's not going to win if we have the system work. That's I mean, when he says, for example, Congress has to pass a bill I want. And if and if they don't pass a bill I want, this is such an ahistoric event. So strange that I will be forced to just do it myself because no Congress ever has not passed a bill that a president... I mean, that's just so disconnected from reality that it has to be essentially, as you said, ideologically driven. He's going to do what he's going to do, period, and he'll make up stuff along the way to try to justify it. It also shows such tremendous disregard for the traditions of the way that the country is governed. I mean, I'm sure people who know their history better than I could could come up with with analogies that, that might, uh, you know, challenge what I'm about to say. But, I mean, think about what the framers would think if, if they looked at the way that this president has approached this question of executive amnesty on, on immigration. I mean, he initially said, basically, I don't have the authority to do this. Then, you know, a, a bunch of uh, legal scholars wrote a, a paper in which they said, in effect, Mr. President, you do have authority to do this. So he cast aside his previous position, adopts this new position from these legal scholars. Now, in effect, says that he has the authority to to stop deportations and then do a heck of a lot more. And that if Congress doesn't agree with him, they can simply pass some kind of legislation that would supersede 
what he's done on an executive basis. I mean, that's crazy. That's not, that's not at all what the founders imagined that we would do in a deliberative republic. I mean, this is the, the opposite of the way that the framers had intended Steve, the United States government to be careful. You don't have to go back to the founders. Go back to ABC's Schoolhouse Rock. I'm just a bill. Yeah, I'm only a bill. And every kid learns that there's a lot of ideas, but only very, very few go through the entire process to become a law. And that's how it's supposed to work. So my president knows less about the legislative process than kids who watch ABC Saturday TV. That's, that's scary. Uh, one last question for you. New poll out, um, I guess, in the last 24 hours that shows that after years of America being on the top of the list of the most liked nation around the world, we are now number two behind Germany. You consider Germany's background. That's not a good spot spot to be. But what happened to President Obama gets elected, the world changes, our stature rises, and we reset with Vladimir Putin, and we, you know, we once again have the authority to affect world events? Well, let me, let me start my answer by... by making clear that I don't think being the most liked nation in the world is necessarily a, an important foreign policy or national security goal. The goal is to be the most secure nation in the world, the most respected nation yeah, in the world. Yeah, but the and Germans? Case, the most, most feared. Steve, nation. no one likes the Germans. What? Are you kidding me? Well, I think they, they win by default, right? <laughs> I mean, I think that's, we, we gave up our seat and they win by default. But look, there, there is an irony here. I mean, that's, President Obama seems to believe what he gave his speeches in Berlin and in Cairo as he sort of swept into office, that his mere presence in office would change the way that countries and people who live in those countries looked at the United States. Um, that, that obviously hasn't happened. I think and in many ways we've moved backwards because of the obvious lack of American leadership. I mean, I think people respect and like America when America leads. And you know, even during the Bush presidency, when he had certainly Western Europeans and, and citizens elsewhere who, who maybe didn't like exactly the way the United States was leading, there was little mistake the United States was leading. We don't know that now. Oh, what you, but, but Russia's isolated, right? Yeah, this is one of the funniest things to come out of, uh, out of this week is you have Ben Rhodes, you know, one of the president's top foreign policy advisors, asked repeatedly about, you know, Russia and its continuing, its ongoing invasion of Ukraine. Uh, and Ben Rhodes, at the APEC summit, with Vladimir Putin nearby, insists that the Russian president and the Russians are isolated, are on the road to isolation. And then you have Vladimir Putin go to the G20, and you still have the United States <laughs> insisting that Russia... It's isolated. Russia just signed a, a big nuclear deal with Iran, and you have the United States insisting that Russia is isolated. At some point, it's got to occur to the Obama administration that isolating Russia, if that really is the objective of, of their sanctions, isn't actually working because you have to look at reality. You have to look at what's actually happening. I don't think that word means what they think it means, to quote the Princess Bride. Steve Hayes, by the way, great piece in the current magazine about uh, enhanced interrogation techniques, the upcoming report coming from the Democrats in Senate, and it's great reporting. I can't wait to read it. Maybe we can do a podcast about that coming up. Love to do it. That'd be great. Excellent. Thanks so much. He's Steve Hayes. I'm Michael Graham. You've been listening to the Weekly Standard Podcast. Please check weeklystandard.com daily for podcast updates.